Aaron Rodgers is back as the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, which was something that I told you was going to happen a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago. I said, there is no way we are going to get rid of this guy. As a matter of fact, I took the Twitter and I said, Aaron Rodgers is going to remain with the Packers. Russell Wilson's going to remain with the Seahawks. And okay, maybe that one didn't quite work out, but Aaron Rodgers is back. And I know a lot of people, a lot of Bears fans initially are morose about it. Like you would want Aaron Rodgers to leave. Let's let, listen, it worked out well for the Buffalo Bills. They're not upset that Tom Brady left and they've run the AFC East for the last couple of years. But there is something about being a competitor. At some point, you want to take Aaron Rodgers and you want to show him the door. You want to super kick him and throw him through the barbershop window. And I know right now it looks bad and it looks it looks terrible. But let's remember, 2018, the Chicago Bears won the NFC North with Mitch Trubisky as the starting quarterback. And they clinched the division with Khalil Mack sacking Aaron Rodgers using no hands. Eddie Jackson had an interception in the end zone to seal the victory. Of course, he injured himself, and that might have cost us the Super Bowl. But anyways, we have beaten Aaron Rodgers before. They can absolutely do it again. They're, listen, their, their cap situation is going to be devastated. The Chicago Bears now can just focus on building a solid team and getting back to the top of the NFC North. So I understand it's been a big day for Aaron Rodgers and he's got 2 million, 200 million reasons to show gratitude or whatever it is. But I think for the bears, it's not as bad as you think it is. And without further ado, Sammy, why don't you roll that animation? And let's start the show. Turn up your volume because you're about to listen to the sick podcast with Adam Ray. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. Uh, We could not have picked a better Tuesday to come with you for another edition of Take It to the Rank. And we have a huge show uh, uh, in store for you today. Now, obviously, we'll be taking a lot of your questions on YouTube right now, but we we reached out to one of our favorites, and we thought we were going to bring him in to talk about his awesome mock draft, and we were going to talk about what can the Bears possibly do with the 39th overall selection, and uh, all that stuff has kind of gone up in smoke. So without further ado, uh, from the Draft Network, let's bring in Brian Perez. Brian, uh, listen, I want to sit here and I want to talk about Christian Walker and a lot of these guys, but... I, I think we got to address some other things first. How are you doing this evening? Adam, first, I really appreciate you having me on. And t- today was a really bad day for my Twitter account. You know, <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I, I was the guy leading the charge, The that last dance mantra, the countdown. Every game was one game closer to the Bears finally getting rid of Aaron Rodgers from the NFC North. And listen, I was the biggest and loudest cheerleader for this day that we thought was coming with an Aaron Rodgers list NFC North in 2022 and Packers fans, I got to give it to you. You don't forget you screen grab, you retweet. And it was a brutal day for my Twitter account, but hopefully like you said, Adam, uh, you know, the bears have proven in the past, albeit not too often that they can handle Aaron Rodgers in some of the biggest games. Hopefully they can do it again, but I gotta, you gotta admit, Adam, it would have been a lot better if we were entering 2022 with no Aaron Rodgers to worry about in the NFC North, that would have been the dream scenario. So 
it feels like we are kind of going through another Aaron Rodgers nightmare. But uh, like all nightmares, hopefully this one comes to an end sometime soon. Yeah, and that's obviously the case. And I mentioned it on the top of the show of like, yeah, obviously, like if he's not there, it is a little bit easier. But there is something about competing. There is something about finally beating Aaron Rodgers. And I will go back to that game in Soldier Field 2018. Everything that that happened and everything that transpired, I think it was a little bit sweeter because they beat Aaron Rodgers. And they were the ones who shut him down. And, you know, he was driving down the field and Eddie Jackson made that interception. That moment, I think, was made better because Aaron Rodgers was there. I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I mean, obviously, to be the best, you want to beat the best, right? You want to – when the Bears, if they were going to go on a big run in the NFC North this year and Justin Fields in his second year, everybody's hoping for that big breakout. And maybe they run toward NFC North crown and a deep playoff run. It would be a lot sweeter if they knock Aaron Rodgers off along the way. But again, I mean, we've waited a long time for the Bears to be a competitive, consistent contender, not just in the NFL, not just in the NFC, but in the NFC North. And obviously, yeah. you know, how much longer do we have to wait for that to happen? It would it would come a lot sooner if Aaron Rodgers was gone. So, yes, it's sweeter if you knock him off en route to that contender status. But, man, I would just love for him to get out of the way. You know, and I will say this too, as I, I I don't think it was that bad for your Twitter account either. I think sometimes, <laughs> listen, heat is heat. I don't believe in X-Pac heat. I think That's that, it, listen, as the, as the 49ers three and 13 guy, uh, I think you just take advantage of these opportunities and lean into it. I really appreciate it. I listen, I enjoy following you on Twitter. I thought it was cool. I, I always chuckled like when you're doing the countdown and everything like that, I thought it was great. And that's kind of the thing that I think fans should be able to engage in. Like, you don't need to be nasty. You don't need to call anybody names. But it was fun to 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 to, to have some enjoyment about the possible departure of Aaron Rodgers because I will be honest with you, uh, Jordan Love does not look like the quarterback of the future, and I think the Packers agreed with us. Oh, definitely. I mean, this is obviously – there's there's two sides to this story here, right? There's two angles to look to look at. When the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers, you got to remember they had Brett Favre on the roster. And it only took three years, Aaron Rodgers, in the system before the Packers knew that they had a dude. And they had a dude who they could trade, one of the greatest quarterbacks who ever lived, to pave the way for Rodgers to get the starting job. If Over the last couple of seasons, if they saw from Jordan Love any signs that he could be a guy, that he could be a franchise quarterback, we would not be talking about this contract right now. Aaron Rodgers would yeah. never have been able to hold the Packers hostage. And at some point, they would have made that transition to Jordan Love. I think this is a big indictment as um, on Jordan Love as a player, as a potential starter down the road. I saw some people on Twitter saying the Packers might be able to pull a second-round pick for him. I don't see any <laughs> chance that happens. Yeah, okay. And in the little bit we saw of Jordan Love, I mean, he reminded me a lot of that reckless, almost lost style of play that we saw quite often from Mitch Trubisky. And we see where Trubisky is now as a backup in the league. And and maybe he gets another shot as a starter through free agency, but his end result is going to be that Mark Sanchez career backup type. And Jordan Love, I mean, look, you just paid a, what, 37, 38-year-old quarterback $200 million instead of giving your young first-round pick an opportunity to start his era in Green Bay. I think this clearly sends a message about that Jordan Love pick. And buyer beware. If there's a team out there desperate enough to trade a second-round pick for Jordan Love, that is the ultimate buyer beware situation. That could not be the case. Like, I, I think with Trubisky available and some of the quarterbacks that are coming out this season, Jordan Love is already two years into his, or this would be, what, his third year, 
and you would have to make a decision on him pretty quickly, you know? And I think that when you traded last year, when the Carolina Panthers traded for Sam Darnold, there was some, there was some evidence that Sam Darnold could play in the league. I still kind of believe that he can Jordan love. We have not gotten any indication of that at all. So I think that again, and let me ask you this though. Do you think like, I saw this on Twitter, so I'm stealing this from somebody. So I'm sorry, whoever is out there on Bears Twitter, whose who's question, whose who's idea I'm stealing this from. I know that the Bears get panned a lot for Mitch Trubisky and making that deal. They still won the NFC North in 2018. They went to the playoffs twice with him. I think that Jordan Love is actually a way worse pick than Mitch Trubisky ever was. I 100% agree with that. Yeah, Mitch Trubisky was in part a desperation move by the Bears who have been searching for their version of Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre or any franchise quarterback in franchise history. They never had that guy. Jay Cutler was the closest thing to it. And Jay Cutler was just basically an above average quarterback. He has ascended to this mystical figure in Chicago sports because he just happens to be the best quarterback the Bears ever had. It doesn't mean he was a great, great quarterback. So teams that are desperate to get that franchise quarterback have to make a move. They have to be aggressive and go after a player that maybe even is a reach like Mitch Trubisky was. The Packers had first ballot, arguably greatest quarterback of all time on the roster, still in that back half of his prime. For them to trade up and draft a quarterback in the first round, it was laughable at the time. And now going into year three post-pick, they're giving the same quarterback that it looked like they were trying to replace $200 million, $153 million guaranteed. They took that first round pick. They threw it out the window. They could have invested in Aaron Rodgers with that pick. They could have drafted a player like T Higgins or some wide receiver who Rodgers was pounding the table for that year. Jordan Love might never start a season, may never have his own season with the Green Bay Packers. That is a monumental flop, monumental bust, especially it's not just because it's a first-round pick that doesn't pan out. It's a quarterback. It's a quarterback who yeah. you drafted to eventually replace Aaron Rodgers, and he's never going to get the chance to do it. Yeah, you know what? Like, if they had drafted somebody like, I don't think Jalen Rager was available at that time, but let's say it was T. Higgins, and T. Higgins has obviously turned out to be a good player. If they would have drafted a wide receiver and he didn't pan out, you can be like, okay, that's that's understandable. But you traded up for a quarterback who played in the by the Like, Jordan Love, who I liked. I, I do like him. I, this is me in, in retrospect looking back at this, but it's like Jordan Love was not the whack or not the Mountain West. He was not the Mountain West player of the year. And it's like, how good are the quarterbacks in the Mountain West that Jordan Love wasn't even the player of the year? I I don't know. I thought it was kind of a silly risk for them at the time. And uh, you know what? And now they've, they've shown that they they admit it already, but they made a mistake. And, and look, well, you know, first round picks hit maybe 50% of the time. That's a really good rate. If you can hit every – Four years, if you hit on two of your first rounders, that's a good rate. Quarterbacks, the success rate's even lower than that. And then when you add to it that you already have an MVP on the roster, one of the greatest who ever played, and you miss on the guy who you're saying is going to replace him. Jordan Love, I was down at the Senior Bowl the year Jordan Love was down there. And I remember wondering like this, I I didn't even feel like he belonged at that game. Strong arm, (laughs) but erratic. With his passes, he lived off of his junior season, the year before his final season uh, at Utah State. He had a great year. And then that last year he was there, he came back to the pack. He didn't look and play like a first-round pick. He was a trade C guy, a lot like Mitchell Trubisky was, 
But on film, he didn't show that it factor from a skill set that made you think he's really a first round guy, let alone a guy who can come out of the shadow of Aaron Rodgers. Adam, to me, the biggest thing you have to do when you're drafting a quarterback that was going to replace a legend. So I look at the, the Broncos are still trying to replace Peyton Manning, and they did it yeah. today by having to give up the future for Russell Wilson. Before that, Peyton Manning was the guy that had to come in to replace John Elway because it's really, really hard to replace the greatest quarterback who ever played for your franchise to be that next guy. And if that next guy is going to be a first-round pick, he better be almost like a Trevor Lawrence type of prospect who you feel so confident is a can't-miss because that shadow looms so large. And a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who's not going to walk away quietly, he's not going to be a yeah. mentor. He's not going to be Jordan Love's best friend. No. You know, he's a drama queen. He's a guy that likes the spotlight. He's not just going to give his job and be just like Brett Favre wasn't for Rodgers. So you better have a guy who you can feel 100% certain in to whatever that means in the draft process, that not only does he have the physical traits, but he's got the mental fortitude and the character to, to overcome that pressure, that shadow. And look, Jordan Love, I spoke to him down at the senior bowl. He seems like a good dude. He seems like he's got his head on his shoulders. Yeah. Just physically, I don't know if he has the traits to ever be a player that can step on Lambeau Field and do anything remotely close to what Aaron Rodgers did. And then that's when you lose the fans. That's when you lose you know, the support of your teammates because they're expecting a certain standard that they become used to. Think about it, Adam. Bears fans have never experienced quarterback play <laughs> like Brett Favre. Let right. alone Brett Favre followed up by Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I hate Never. to be the third guy in that line because yeah. chances are, I mean, I don't know, maybe this is a crazy statement, but I highly doubt they're going to hit three times in a row like they have. So that third guy is going to be a guy that's going to feel the weight of the world on his shoulders. And I think they know Jordan Love can't do it. You know what? And if you, I, I think the best third guy in that type of situation of all time is probably Jeff Garcia who followed Joe Montana, who followed, obviously, Steve That's Young. That's a really good call. But you can, you can honestly say that the, the 49ers are still trying to replace Steve Young. Like, they're still chasing that one, even after all these years, even though they've had, a, you know, a modicum of success with Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick and players like that. They still need that franchise quarterback or somebody that they can rely on. It's not, it's not an easy thing to do. And I think at some point, all these people who root for the Packers, who are not from Wisconsin – uh, eventually you're going to have to start rooting for some other team because they're not going to be good. Aaron Rodgers is not going to play forever. They're probably not going to go out there and be able to to replicate the success. And the thing with Rodgers too, it's always funny to me now that the, the 40, the Packers got really lucky with this because the NFL was a lot different back when they drafted Aaron Rodgers, who was a, who was talked about as the first overall selection along with Alex Smith. But that was a time of the NFL where if you drafted a quarterback, you had to put a huge investment on him. Like they had to get like there was no like you weren't slotted, you know, into these um, into these spots, and you had to pay them a lot of money. So people were passing on him, and the Packers were like, "Fine, we'll do it." Um, it's a lot different now, and even with the with the the ease of drafting these quarterbacks, how easy you are to divorce yourself from these guys. Nobody was taking a chance on Jordan Love except for the Packers, which kind of worries me. And Not you know, worries me. It makes it actually thrills me. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, it's a great point you make with the Jeff Garcia. Uh, you know, in terms of being a guy who followed a guy who followed a guy, right? Garcia will, will never be confused for a Hall of Fame quarterback. But he was really good when he played. He yeah. kept the 49ers competitive. And like you said, 
there has been this run now in San Francisco where it still feels like once you have a Joe Montana and you have a Steve Young, or you have a Brett Favre or an Aaron Rodgers or an Indianapolis, you have a Peyton Manning, the expectations that the fans and the organization places on what they think the quarterback should look like and play like and produce like become almost unattainable. And that's why for the Bears and Justin Fields, the table is set perfectly for him to have a really good career. Because as sad as it might be to say, there are literally no expectations from a Bears quarterback. All he has to do is be better than Jay Cutler was. And fans in the modern Bears era will say he's the best quarterback they've ever seen in Chicago. And that's, it's an average to above average bar to jump, but it's one he clearly has the physical traits to accomplish. And most importantly, what I think is the most impressive about him is his mental toughness and what he's got going above the shoulders. That's usually what makes or break, breaks a quarterback. And I think Fields is overflowing with high level, you know, the, the football mentality that's required to succeed at the position. So the Bears and Fields, it's been a really, really bad couple of decades behind center for Chicago. But in a way, it's going to benefit the kid who's the most important player that this team has had in the last 30 or 40 years because the expectations are actually like Bears fans have high expectations. We're hoping to finally yeah. have that guy. But we don't even know what that guy is. What? How do we define that guy in Chicago? We don't even know what a 4,000-yard passer looks like, let alone a quarterback yeah. who can push for MVP, can maybe run for 1,000 yards like we've seen Lamar Jackson do. We don't know what that guy is. So Justin Fields has a chance to define what it means to play quarterback in Chicago, where Jordan Love would have to live up to a definition that was set by Brett Favre and exceeded by Aaron Rodgers. It's literally impossible. So – the more we talk about this, the more maybe this is actually pretty good that Aaron Rodgers is coming back for maybe a year or two because it's just going to make it even that much more difficult for the Packers to get that next quarterback. Absolutely. And you look at the Bears quarterbacks of all time. Uh, I will say in our lifetime, I'm assuming you're old enough to remember Jim McMahon. When I have to rank the best Bears quarterbacks of all time in my lifetime, uh, it goes McMahon, Cutler, and then Walter Payton on the halfback option. And that's the list. <laughs> There it is, and that's the list. So Listen, I think, you got to uh, give Rex Grossman some love, man. Oh, come on. I've got a Rex a Grossman bobblehead. i got a bob. Fine, i got a bobblehead here. Listen. There you go. There you go. He holds He holds on. Listen, he had – Alex Brown was on talking about, like, we had the ball with an opportunity to win the Super Bowl with Rex Grossman. I'm like, yeah, don't remind me. Um, <laughs> but in any event, we do have some questions from the audience. I think you and I could probably take this the whole way through, but let's get let's get some people involved. And uh, JF1 Bears Forever, who is a regular here, um, does say Aaron and Devontae are staying, which sucks. But can Fields Mooney, uh, can that duo be like the Rodgers-Adams duo? I mean, again, we talk about setting a super high bar and expectations. I think what Bears fans need to do is, um, you know, to take a reference from a recently departed head coach, you got to wear the earmuffs and blinders and not worry about what a good quarterback wide receiver duo looks like or an elite quarterback and wide receiver duo looks like outside of Chicago because, you know, we have to let Justin Fields develop into the player he's going to be, which might be a 38 or 3,900-yard passer, and Darnell Mooney might top out as 1,075 yards and six touchdowns, but for what the Bears want to do on offense and maybe how they succeed in producing score points – It'll have the same kind of Rodgers and Adams impact, 
but the stats won't look anything remotely close. So it depends how you define that duo. Are you looking at the fantasy production, the incredible multi-touchdown games that you get from Adams every week? And again, it's very dangerous. It's like when we talk about the NFL draft, one of the things I never do with, or I try not to do, I should say, never is a harsh word, but I try not to do is compare a 21 or 22 year old college prospect to a player who has established himself as the elite of the elite at his position. So to say Darnell Mooney can be Devontae Adams and Justin Fields can be like Aaron Rodgers or that they can have a similar kind of combination, it's unfair to their trajectory. I think they have the potential to be one of the best young quarterback wide receiver receiver tandems in the league. What that ultimately looks like, we'll find out over the next couple of seasons. I think that Darnell Mooney is not going to be in the same category as Devontae Adams, where he's a bona fide number one guy threatening to get 2,000 receiving yards in a season or anything like that. But I think that our expectations for Justin Fields should be similar to what they had for Russell Wilson during the first couple of years in the league with him. And because I think a lot of people would describe Justin Fields as a taller version of Russell Wilson. And we saw when, when Russell was the most successful He was spreading the ball around to guys like Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett and now DK Metcalf, for a while DK Metcalf, and eventually it'll be Jerry Judy and and Cortland Sutton and players like that. And I think that's the kind of offense that we as Bears fans should kind of embrace. Like, yeah, there's probably going to be a number of guys who go out there and get it done for us. Jesper Horstead, who knows? Cole Komet, perhaps, you know, running the football, relying more on our running backs. So I... Again, I agree with you. Like, it's not going to be an apples-to-apples kind of comparison. We want to see the success in wins. And honestly, like, the Devontae Adams-Aaron Rodgers combo uh, has not delivered a championship. So it's cool for fantasy. I mean, they've delivered a fantasy title to me, but they've never delivered an actual NFL title. So I think that's fun. And also, you got to remember, Devontae Adams had a pretty good stretch of of years there. We didn't even have a 1,000 yards. So, I mean, he has been the guy over the last couple of seasons, but it's taken some time for him to get there. And kind of circling back to Darnell Mooney for a minute, he's got a chance to be a really, really, I don't want to say special, but high-end receiver. I'm shocked at how well he's played in the league. I I kind of, you know, I have a long, many, many years of draft analysis and and studying the process, uh, you know, under my belt. And it's really rare to see a wide receiver who's 170 pounds, 175 pounds soaking wet to be able to produce the way he has early in his NFL career and his elite route running his, you know, he plays so much bigger than he actually weighs in. I'm really, really excited to see what he actually can play. Like Ryan Poles referenced him as the kind of player you want in the locker room and his work ethic and, that's one of the things we've heard about him since the day the Bears drafted him is this guy wants to be great. And that, Adam, for me, that is what separates good players from all pros. It's the desire. Once guys get to the league, you know, all these guys are good football players. All these wide receivers can run routes and catch passes. Even the fifth guy in the depth chart, even the guys in the practice squad, they're all really good football players. What separates guys when you get to that level is the want, the work ethic. What are you doing when no one's watching? How many hours are you in the weight room, in the film room? Darnell Mooney, the first thing he bought when he got his signing bonus was a jugs machine. I mean, that goes to show the rare mental makeup he has. And when you combine that guy with a guy like Fields who has that same kind of mental makeup, yeah, there could be some fireworks in the not-too-distant future, but let's let him get there first. All right. I'll recant my statement. All right. (laughs) He's going to be Devontae Adams. No, just kidding. But I agree. I I think we're both very similar, but I think, yeah, okay. I'll lean towards you. 
Uh, let's get another question in here, Sammy. I know uh, we have uh, – what is uh, Bears fan forever 14? Adam, what's your dreams versus realistic wide receiver core for the Bears next season? I had talked about this on Twitter. I was, I was saying, what is it going to take? Uh, other than a plane flight or a train to get somebody like Tyler Lockett in here. I think what we've seen over this, over uh, the last two days, a lot of these wide receivers are locked up. Chris Godwin locked up. Mike, Mike Williams locked up. Devontae Adams, obviously. Michael Gallup expected to be extended with the Dallas Cowboys. What is a realistic wide receiver core? I know, again, in your, in your mock draft, you had, what was it, Christian Walker? I think you had going 39th. Yeah, Christian Watson. Yeah, Watson. Excuse me, Watson. Um, what do you think is a realistic – like, what do you think the wide receiver room could look like? It's going to be interesting, right, because this whole time Bears fans have been hoping for the big-ticket free agent, and in the last, you know, 24 hours, a lot of those guys have just been removed from, from the market. Uh, Mike Williams was a player that I thought, you know, kind of in the back of my mind, if the Chargers let him walk, he would have been such a perfect complement to what the Bears have at Darnell Mooney, a big-body downfield playmaker – um, who can win on all three levels of the passing game. He would have been perfect if he could stay healthy. He's he's a beast. Uh, yeah. He's gone. Uh, you know, I know some Bears fans talk about DJ Chark. And yeah, sure, I mean, looks the part, has had some flashes in Jacksonville. Again, health is questionable. I, it, I just keep coming back to Allen Robinson, Adam. I mean, I just keep yeah. coming back to this. And I'm saying to myself, you look at this list of free agents, most of the big ticket guys are gone, like you said. Christian Kirk. Odell Beckham coming off a knee injury, Juju Smith-Schuster, DJ Chark. I mean, okay, they're all okay. I mean, I get the appeal, but Allen Robinson, whatever happened last season, flush it down the toilet. The coach, the GM, they're gone. It's a whole new regime. If they can mend that those fences, if they can kind of get that bridge of communication repaired, I don't know why you wouldn't stick with the guy you know over paying maybe somebody like a Juju Smith-Schuster a ton of money and maybe end up getting even less production than you get from peak Allen Robinson. I, I don't think, you know, I know a lot of people talk about Allen Robinson quitting on the team last year, not giving hundred percent effort. And yes, there were plenty of plays on film where it certainly looks that way, but I'm not the kind of guy that's going to question Allen Robinson's work ethic or commitment to the game, especially when you consider the things he overcame early in his career with injuries and whatnot. Uh, you know, he came to Chicago kind of like on a prove it deal. He, they should have extended him long-term uh, a couple of seasons ago. He's 28 years old. He fits the profile. Somebody's going to pay him. Somebody's yeah. going to take Allen Robinson, and their fan base is going to be thrilled that they have an alpha wide receiver one signed in free agency. So it's kind of like you don't know what you have until they're gone, and I think Allen Robinson fits that mold. I don't think it's reasonable or realistic to think he'll come back, but I would like to see him because if not, I mean, I don't know about you, Adam. I don't want to overpay for one of these guys in free agency. I'd rather go in the draft because at the 39th pick, that's going to be a sweet spot for wide receivers that in some years would probably qualify as first-round players. The Bears are going to get one at 39. So I think whoever is the compliment to Darnell Mooney, if it's not Allen Robinson, he's probably going to come through the draft. No, I agree. And it goes back to what we were talking about with T. Higgins, who slipped into the second round and him playing at Clemson. I thought that was a definite first-round talent. We've seen guys like this fall into the second round over the last couple of years. I always say Denzel Mims, too, and people get all upset. and like, that's a talented player. Like, coming out of Baylor, like a very talented guy. And I think that there's going to be an opportunity to land one of those guys at 39. I think it's going to take a number of things. I would like to see Allen Robinson. Uh, Amari Cooper, if the price was right, I think would be fine as well. I also, I also kind of like, I don't know if, 
if the Bengals are letting him go, but like Auden Tate is somebody who's like mm-hmm. a profile who kind of like looks like Mike Williams. And you're like, hasn't really been, you know, he's been kind of pushed down the depth chart now because of. I love him coming out. I love yeah, him that's, coming out. That, that guy is the total package. And sometimes when you're stuck on a very, I mean, look at the Bengals wide receiving core. There's no, he's blocked. There's, there's no way. And yeah. you add Jamar Chase when they already had T Higgins and they had, they had Boyd there. It's really hard for a guy like Tate who was raw and needed a couple seasons to develop. He's probably ready to break through and be a number two, a legit number two in an offense. And he's massive. He's a monster. So yes, a guy like that, that's where the bears have to go though. They're going to have to go in that yeah. range of player and free agency. I think Ryan Poles is going to be conservative in free agency. It's his first time in the market as a GM. And I think he's going to end up not, he, I don't think he's going to want to make that. You know, you look back two or three years from now, what a, you know, ranks in these listicles that you see online, top five worst free agent signings at 2022. Right. He doesn't want to be on that list. And I don't think signing Auden Tate or a Denzel Mims or a player like that even qualifies for those lists. So that's probably the range of player he'll go in. And I'd be perfectly fine with that as long as they they commit the 39th pick to a wide receiver. If they don't, yes, there's help that is required in the offensive line. And you could argue maybe a defensive back or even a linebacker if there's a talented enough guy there. But they got to make this offseason about Justin Fields. They have to commit resources into the offensive line and especially at wide receiver. I mean, you look at who's coming back next year, Adam. It's Darnell yeah. Mooney and no one. So is they got to sign guys and they got to draft guys. And I think the, the the biggest investment they'll make in a player at the position is in the draft at pick number 39. It's basically like just outside the first round. So that's a high investment in a wide receiver and then get some of these tier two, tier three free agents like you talked about to round out a wide receiving core. Yeah, it really does have to be a multitude of things. Like we're talking about Allen Robinson, like, yes. Uh, Auden Tate, yes, and still using the 39th overall selection. Like, there needs to be a lot of guys coming in. And I know that in, I, I want the Bears fans to also get out of the mindset, too. Like, anytime a defensive player is, uh, is released, like a JC, um, uh, from, from, uh, New England, but, uh, the cornerback from New England, uh, Tyron Matthew, like, anytime one of these guys gets released, like, we're no longer signing these players. Like we, I don't care if we give up 40 points. This has got to be about building around Justin Fields, as you said, with wide receivers, tackles, and uh, going at it in that direction. And uh, Sammy, do we have another question? I'm, I'm assuming we do. Uh, where, do where does Allen Robinson go if the Bears don't re-sign him? It's a good question. I mean, I think you could end up looking at a place. Well, I, I would have said Kansas City, but Matt Nagy's on that staff now. And <laughs> I don't think Alan Robinson to go anywhere right. near Matt Nagy moving forward. Uh, I thought last year this time the Baltimore Ravens would have been absolutely perfect, but they made the investment in Rashad Bateman in the first round last year. I don't know if they'll kind of dip their toes back in, in, that, in those waters. And look, I know the Packers don't have the money, and I know the Packers – I don't know. But then again, look, I, I, I come from the position where salary cap is fake. I, I don't know how it happens every year, but the teams that are supposedly over the cap end up making one or two big ticket signings. And it would not shock me if Allen Robinson really has an ax to grind, uh, that he stays in the NFC North, whether that's Green Bay, whether it's Detroit, that he does something where he can have two games a year. And, and don't rule out going home to Jacksonville. Jaguars need some wide receivers yeah. too. And I know the Jaguars fan base still absolutely adores Allen Robinson and they're going to have money to throw around. So he'll, he'll he's going to have a market. I mean, Bears fans are going to realize real quickly how valued 
uh, Allen Robinson is and how how highly he's viewed in league circles. If Mike Williams can pull twenty million a year and the dude has literally never stayed healthy, uh, Allen Robinson's going to be close to that market value, in my opinion. Maybe I'm totally wrong, and I know a lot of Bears fans come after me on Twitter when I kind of have that pro Allen Robinson stance. But I mean, over the last, if you take away last season and you look at how he the way he played in 2020, 2019. Tell me another receiver, a player that was more beloved by Bears fans than Allen Robinson. Yeah. Bears fans loved this dude. Remember the hashtag, extend A-Rob, pay the man. Everybody wanted to pay him 12 months ago. And in 12 yeah. months, a couple of lazy routes and maybe some drops uh, in a really weird season where Matt Nagy clearly went away from him in the pecking order uh, in the game plan. You know, Bears fans jump ship on him. I, I think it's premature. Um and hopefully he doesn't end up facing the Bears twice a year because if that guy is playing with a chip on his shoulder, watch out. You know, Jalen Johnson will have his hands full. We're done. We're done if that happens. That is like the worst case scenario. And I think you and I were both leading that charge. I know that I always get a lot of heat on Twitter too because I think that between the two of us, we are two of the big, biggest Allen Robinson fans on Twitter. I've always contended, and I said this last year, I, go, I think he's a top five guy. And he's really never had an opportunity to go out and prove it. And if you put him into some other situation with some top flight quarterback play, Scary. I think that he could, he could, he would really put up numbers and change a lot of people's perception of how good he actually is. If you go back and you watch the tape, you watch his route running, you watch his ability to go out there and get the football. I think that this guy is a bona fide stud. And you know what? I think, you know, I know that Ryan Poles is, is very popular and his assistant GM is very popular and hopefully they can mend some fences. If if they can't mend the fences to bring him back, hopefully they can soften it enough to not, not let him go to Green Bay. Like if you want to go to Arizona or if you want to go to someplace else or someplace in the AFC, like go do that. We'll be very happy with you. Listen, I hope if he's not playing for Chicago, I hope he plays for Jacksonville because I can still root for him. I'll still draft him in my face. Like I, I drafted him in fantasy all over the place last year. And I'm still not mad at him. I, I don't blame him at, like, at all. I'm like, okay, I get it. Think about something, Adam. Allen Robinson developed and cultivated a reputation of being one of the best playmakers at wide receiver, just the my ball mentality, jump balls, big plays. And he's played with Blake Bortles. He's played with Mitch Trubisky. He's had starts with Chase Daniel. He played with Nick Foles. This guy has become, has elevated his reputation to the point where NFL fans Bears fans and league-wide fans view him as a legitimate star wide receiver. He's not catching passes from Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. He's been yeah. able to develop that reputation with the most challenging of circumstances. Blake Bortles. I know there's Bear fans who still love Mitch Trubisky, but the guy couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. The, this, the fact that he was able to be that good, and now there's finally a quarterback in Chicago who actually can play the position, I would love, love, love to see what could happen. A full offseason, new coaching staff, fresh start. Allen Robinson's paid like the number one wide receiver he is. He resumes that role. Mooney goes to his wide receiver two role, bring in a nice rookie in the slot. Now you're cooking with gas. You let Allen Robinson walk, you're trying to replace Allen Robinson with an Allen Robinson type. It just doesn't <laughs> make sense to me. But I mean, this is already got him. Yeah. Thanks, Matt Nagy, for destroying the entire situation with A Rob. Yeah, it's one of those things, too. And I I probably read too much into this. 
but he loves basketball and it feels like he really loves the Bulls. I'm like, can we get the Bulls to like help? Can we get okay. Zach or somebody, one of these guys like, hey, dude, just stay in Chicago. Like give it another chance. Like I think tomorrow on Twitter, uh, let's all take to Twitter and let's try to just, just be cool to Allen Robinson. Let's just show him that we still love him. And uh, I'll respect, listen, I'll respect any decision he makes. I will not fault him. Even if he goes to Green Bay, I will not be happy about it, but I will respect it. But I think that everybody in Bears Twitter, like, stop antagonizing him, number one. And number two, let's show him a little bit of love tomorrow. That's all I'm going to do. I'm going to tweet out something tomorrow. If everybody else can follow suit, it would be very nice. I think that we need to be a little bit more proactive and uh, see if we can. I don't know if it'll help, but it can't hurt. Uh, How about another question here, Sammy? Uh, Will Justin Fields ever actually beat Rodgers? Joey, I think so. Uh, Brian, what do you think? I think he's the quarterback. He's the chosen one. I mean, he's the one who has the best chance to do it. Um, Justin Fields is the first quarterback who we could say the Bears have fielded, no pun intended, who has played at the highest level in the biggest you know, rivalry games in college football. He understands like the rivalry environment. He understands great playing against great, you know, Mitch Trubisky coming from North Carolina one season as a starter. I mean, what, what was he bringing to the table to, to acclimate or immediately assimilate to that environment? Bears Packers rivalry. Justin Fields is that guy who, if there's been ever been a quarterback in Chicago who can do it, not only because he's just extremely talented and, and can find ways to produce, whether it's with his arm or his legs. Um, he's got the, I keep going back to this and I sound like a broken record, but he's got the mental toughness to not be intimidated by Aaron Rodgers. And I think when you're talking about playing against one of the greatest who ever played and you're an opposing quarterback, you know, it's kind of like a hitter facing a pitcher. If mentally you're intimidated before the first, before the opening kickoff, the yeah. chances of actually being able to win that game drop significantly. And I don't think you'll ever see, Justin Fields intimidated by anyone. Um, so if there's any player who has the, the the physical and mental makeup to do it, I think it's him. But obviously we have to remember it's a team game. Uh, you know, if quarterback wins are not an official stat, like we all like to say, you know, if Justin Fields plays his ass off and the Bears fall short by three points because the defense surrendered 34 points, did Justin Fields lose to Aaron Rodgers? You know, yeah. no, but he's got the ability to keep the Bears in the game and go toe-to-toe Aaron Rodgers without a doubt. Yeah, but if your defense holds some team to nine points and you don't beat them in a playoff game, I think that you can say the quarterback lost that. I don't know. I don't, I'm not talking about anybody specific, any specific game that might have happened in the playoffs last season. But, you know, just, I'm just saying that. And I will say I love Justin Fields' attitude. I love the way – I love that he just he, – he's so stoic and he's just like – he's no nonsense. And I've said this plenty of times. I always felt like Mitch Trubisky – Feels like Tom Welling from draft day. Like, yeah, that, that's a guy you would cast to play a quarterback in an ABC movie or something like that, but never actually be a quarterback. I think Justin Fields has been that guy for the very reasons you said about, listen, he played in a Power 5 conference team, had a huge bowl win over Trevor Lawrence, where I think like those two guys were going back and forth and Justin Fields did it. And I know that people want to come out and be like, his motion or this or that. I'm like, All I know is last year in games against the 49ers, the Steelers, and the Ravens, when they needed him to go out there and play his best, he made the place. And I think that should have been the the takeaway. 
And think about something. It's a rookie in the COVID season where you don't have the full benefit of a traditional offseason to prepare for. for and, and he was dealing with the, the BS of the Andy Dalton, who's starting, not committing to him. And he still was able to just on raw ability, like you said, make that play. It's going to be – look, there's got to be a big jump this year. I think he has set the table to now, if in 2022, he doesn't have that level of consistency that goes beyond just making that play. You know, you're going to hear the chatter come out about his long-term upside, but um, I don't think there's going to be any issues with that. And going back to Trubisky for a minute, I believe it was the 2019 season. I was in Philadelphia covering the game uh, when the Bears played the Eagles, and, the, and it was, a, you know, another Bears loss, and it wasn't, you know, Mr. Trubisky wasn't one of his finer moments. And after the game, I remember when Trubisky came uh, and, and met with the media and he was, he was talking, I was just looking at it. I almost like didn't even hear what he was saying, right? I, I, I wasn't even, you know, don't tell NBC Sports this because I was doing the game for them. But I wasn't even like listening to what he was saying. I was just watching his body language. And it was at that moment, I remember texting a couple of my buddies. I said, this guy ain't it. He's not it. I'm watching his body language. He was a defeated. He had no answers. He looked like a guy who felt, like he didn't belong. Now, obviously, he that's not what he thinks of himself, but his body language. And when he's if he's walking around the locker room like that, and I was in the locker room and he was just sitting by his locker, not interacting with his teammates. It was literally like out of a movie, like the scene in the movie where the backup rises from the ashes and the starter has been passed on. You just knew at that moment, I knew at that moment that this is it. The Trubisky era is going nowhere because he doesn't have it. And this is like the cheesiest sports thing we talk about, right? The it factor. For our entire lifetimes, people try to define the it factor. Nobody knows what it is, but you know it when you see it. You yeah. also know when guys don't have it, right? Like you know when it doesn't exist, when it's not in a person's resume. And, and Trubisky was that. And you could just you just knew he wasn't going to be able to bring the team to the heights that I feel in my in my core, Justin Fields will be able to do. Yeah, that is one of the things, too, that I always – and this probably was – or this has got to be what ultimately cost Ryan Pace's job is I know that everybody – you know, Mahomes being what it is and as fantastic as he's been. I, I always felt it was missing out on Deshaun Watson. Now, obviously, Deshaun Watson brings a whole set of problems because of what's happening off the field. I just still don't understand how he watched a guy in a Power 5 conference go out and beat Alabama – and then, you know, he carry composed. He knows what he's doing. And it's like, you didn't choose that guy, but you chose Mitch Trubisky. And I think they finally got it right with Justin Fields. I think he'd learned his lesson, but by that time it was too little, too late. And you know what the amazing thing about that was, Adam? Another senior bowl anecdote. When the Bears were coaching the senior bowl uh, during the 2017 draft when they yeah. drafted Trubisky, I was there and Ryan Pace, you know, was on the field after and there was a scrum around him. And somebody asked him, what, you know, what do you look for in a quarterback when you're, you're thinking about drafting a quarterback? And I went on Twitter after his answer and I made my prediction that it's 100% lock stock guarantee it's going to be Deshaun Watson as the pick. Now, clearly, I think tonight's proven I'm really bad with predictions on Twitter. But huh. that was what I, when Ryan Pace's answer was, he looks for experience, guys who rise and win in the big games, guys who have proven have a long history of success. That was literally the opposite scouting report of Mitch Trubisky. And it was the exact, it was like reading off the checklist of who Deshaun Watson was as a college prospect. Yeah. So to me, and then all that, you know, 
his coach coming out saying he's going to be the Michael Jordan of football and all this stuff was starting to swell around Deshaun Watson. And I was so confident that he was going to be the pick, but Ryan Pace literally out thought himself and he was smoke screening everyone because Mitch Trubisky was his next Drew Brees. And he wanted, he was literally throwing everybody off of a trail that never even existed to be quite honest. Yeah. And here he was describing something in, in almost like this trickster mode that if he actually listened to himself, if he actually went by his smoke screen scouting report, he would have drafted Deshaun Watson. Yeah. And they probably would have won the Super Bowl in 2018, but we don't need to talk about that right now. <laughs> uh, but I'm sure we have another question, I hope, Sammy. Uh, question for me, Adam. Uh, what do you think of Justin Fields' throwing motion? Well, we just talked about this a moment ago, Nathaniel. His motion is his motion. And I know that everybody's making a big deal about it. And I think that, you know, when you look at quarterbacks, when they come into the league, they they all need to, to kind of clean some things up. There's some things that you do in college that you're not going to be able to get away with in the NFL level. And I think that that's just going to be something that Justin's going to have to work on. And what we want to see out of him is that every year there's going to be something for him to improve on. And I think that's what all good quarterbacks do is they find something that they do like I got to improve on this. I got to improve on the 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 small things. I I'll use a Magic Johnson kind of thing, uh, a kind of comparison. Like Magic always went out there and worked on something. You know, one year it's developing a three point shot or doing this or you know anything like that. And I think for Justin Fields, it's going to be you know working on holding, you know, not fumbling as much, working on that throwing motion, and it's not going to be perfect in his second season, but I think that he starts to clean up, get rid of the ball sooner. I think that having an offense with more anticipation, more slants is going to benefit him as well. So I, I, I think that it's almost overdone with the throwing motion. And I think that it's just something that people need to write about during the off season. I'm not overly concerned about it because I think that the, all the positives far outweigh something like that. And Brian, what do you think about that? Yeah, I agree with you, Adam. I think we get caught up in, you know, paralysis by analysis over scouting guys. And, uh, you know, Justin Fields was a first round pick for a reason. He was a star at Ohio state and arguably the best quarterback in Georgia high school football for a reason. And he's thrown the ball the same way every step of the way. And sure in the NFL, the passing windows are tighter. Uh, the defensive backs are quicker. They close on the ball faster. So if you can speed it up a tick or two, that obviously is going to help the success rate of his passes, his completion percentage, maybe limit turnovers. And that's okay. Like you said, Adam, he'll work on that. Look at Josh Allen. Josh Allen was not a, uh, you know, a poster boy for good mechanics when it comes to throwing the football, but over his first couple of years in the league, he has taken step-by-step different parts of his, his, whether working from his feet up, improving his throwing motion. And now we see a guy who is arguably the most lethal weapon at the position because of the improvements he's made through the early years of his career. You got to give a guy like Justin Fields the ability to do that. Rookies learn from rookie mistakes. And part of the rookie mistakes is, Hey, I got speed on my throwing motion because I got hit a lot last year, or I threw about all oh, that pass should have been completed. And if I got rid of the ball a little quicker and it's not maybe that he didn't see it fast enough, if his motion was a little too slow or a little too elongated, that's why you have good quarterback coaches off-season training with the quarterback gurus. They'll work on that. They'll fix it. But again, it's not something like it's a fatal flaw that's going to ruin his career trajectory just because his throwing motion might not be as quick as we saw from 
Hall of Famers like Dan Marino back in the day. Um, not everybody can get rid of the ball like that. But I remember, you know, Adam, you probably remember that there was this era where the sidearm release was considered a problem. The sidearm right. release was the bad throwing motion. Now people get praised with the no-look sidearm passes because you're throwing the ball, you know, off-platform and outside of structure, and it's great to have all these different release points of the football. We're back, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you know, that would have been considered a flaw. So, um, yeah, I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about his throwing motion. He's a franchise level NFL quarterback with that throwing motion and he'll only get better as, as he gets coached up. Yeah. If you ever wanted to spend some time, I sure, I'm sure you could go to the internet and Google Josh Allen from his first couple of years in the league and see what people were writing about see the jokes that people were making on Twitter. People were telling the Buffalo Bills that they missed on their pick. Everybody, not everybody, a lot of people thought he was thought that Josh Allen was a bust. And just before the show today, uh, I did block somebody on Twitter. Like every once in a while, I get very sensitive. And some I was like, because it was the tweet about like, what do they need to do to get uh, Tyler Lockett to Chicago? And the thing of it is, is like DK Metcalf would cost a lot more. But Tyler Lockett's in his 30s. You know, somebody they're like, you know, they're obviously rebuilding in Seattle. Like, let's just get rid of them. Like, like we don't need them around, a type of thing. Like, a little bit easier to move. Um, but then somebody responded. They're like, oh, get a new quarterback. And I'm like, you know, what? I'm just going to block you. I love <laughs> A lot of times I won't block somebody who's already following me. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to sacrifice a follower. I'm not putting up with Justin Fields' slander of at course. this point. And I, you know what? And I honestly, I'm not concerned about it. And I think that. You know, over the last couple of years, we always had that hope. Like, I always bought into it. Like, okay, maybe it is going to be Andy Dalton or somebody who's like, and this this naggy offense is really going to take off. And then you watch the first game, you're like, oh, no, wait, we suck. Okay, we're, we're terrible. Like, why did we shouldn't have brought Nagy. But, like, you knew after the Rams game, like, oh, yeah, we probably should have brought in a different quarterback. Or, excuse me, not a different quarterback. We should have brought in a different coach. And just gone with Justin Fields and told Andy Dalton, like, hey, yeah, you're making 10 mil. I don't care if your feelings are hurt. Um, that's that's too bad. Like, we've drafted Justin Fields. We have a new bit. You know, it's one of those things. I, I truly believe, Ryan, we're going to come out and, and Justin is going to blow people away this coming season. And it's going to be a lot different. And it's going to be exciting. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I completely agree, Adam. And when you talk about being sensitive, I'm ch- checking out the comments as I scroll over to the right. And, and uh, Berlissimo, great follow on Twitter, great Bears fan on Twitter. Um, you know, I recommend everybody follow him over there. He'll be he here on. Comment. He'll be on the. He'll be on the show on Thursday, by the way. Awesome, Quick awesome plug. follow. He suggested that my comment on Josh Allen's throwing motion maybe was a bad take, but check out Jordan Palmer's interview on Josh Allen and uh, what they did to w- this past offseason, working on his development just with his hips and his throwing emotion, and how it's made a massive impact on his production on the field. It's not about timing and progression or any of that stuff. Just uh, Josh Allen actually did get his throwing motion from the le- from the ground up reworked. It's not always about the arm when you talk about mechanics. A lot of quarterback success actually is from the waist down, and that's what Josh Allen worked on. So I would highly recommend Jordan Palmer's interview about the work he did with Josh Allen, and you'll, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about, Bradley Snow, in terms of what a quarterback can do in the offseason to get better year over year. Yeah, Berlissimo can come in and, and he'll uh, he'll subtweet you. On, or no, I'm just kidding. Uh, he'll get his opportunity to speak on Thursday as part of the podcast. We're very excited to have him on. This this is the one thing that's kind of a bummer because both you guys do a very great job of breaking down the draft 
And I thought that, you know, I should have known better. Uh, and I'm like, oh, we'll come in. We'll talk some draft this week. And then like, oh, wait, Aaron Rodgers is going to re-up. Uh, Russell Wilson is going to get traded. We haven't even talked about Russell Wilson. I guess it doesn't matter. This is a bear show anyways. Um, but let's see. What else is out there? Do we have another question there, Sammy? There it is. Does Rodgers signing out, uh, signing put more pressure on the Bears? Can the Bears afford another playoff list season? I will say, before you answer, Brian, I think this actually helps. I think that this doesn't put any pressure on on uh, Ryan Poles to go out there and compete because if, if there was no Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson's traded to the Denver Broncos, the NFC, and it still kind of is, a little wide open. And I think that that might pressure you into making moves that you probably shouldn't make. At least with Aaron Rodgers, you can go back and be like, you know what, we're going to slow play this. We're going to put together a solid foundation. And I think this actually buys the Bears a little bit of time. I I think the one team that is actually putting the most pressure on the Bears and has nothing to do with the NFC North or the NFC in general is the Cincinnati Bengals, right? Uh, Bengals fans saw yeah. what a guy like Joe Burrow and adding a wide receiver like Jamar Chase and how quickly a team can turn around with that one guy hitting at quarterback. I mean, he literally had no offensive line. He's got a good cast of wide receivers. And Joe Burrow is just that dude who was able to ride, elevate the Bengals from the depths of football hell to as far as he took them this year. So when you have that kind of in recency in your, in the, in your memory, the last in time, first in memory type thing, it could create unreasonable ex- expectations for Justin Fields and this Bears team. Can he be another Joe Burrow? If Chris Olave falls to the second round and the Bears draft Chris Olave, it's all you're going to hear about all summer. Oh my God, yeah. is they got Burrow Chase part two in Chicago. And look, I might actually agree that that actually, that chemistry matters. Olave is not a chase level prospect, but that will be a big deal. Um, so I think the Bengals success is, and it's reasonable, right? I think in the NFL, it's a not for long league win. Now fans invest those, those Sundays, they, they eat, drink and breathe those three hour windows to, to see wins, right? It, it's the yeah. fans don't deserve to continue having year over year, um, a a, a roster, a team, a product on the field that by week four or five, you know, is is not going to make any noise come December or January. I don't think the coaching staff and the general manager has the kind of win or else pressure. It's year one of a new regime. That's never the way it is, but there's going to be pressure, right? I mean, Ibra Fluke was chosen to be the coach. Justin Fields is supposed to be the franchise quarterback. Ryan Poles' moves are going to be dissected. And I just think pressure automatically follows every team. And when you're talking about a Bears team, not too long ago, they were NFC North champs. Not too long ago, they were considered an NFC contender. There's a lot of the same pieces still on this defense. So the expectations, there's, there's going to be some. But Aaron Rodgers coming back is a wet blanket, right? I mean, at NFC North without Aaron Rodgers feels like an NFC North that could very easily be won by the Bears. And yeah. NFC North with Aaron Rodgers feels like a division that's, again, going to be a significant challenge to overtake no i agree with that and i think that there's a difference between and let's be honest the bears are probably going to lose some games next season but there's a difference between the loss that we saw in cleveland compared to the loss losses that we saw against the 49ers the steelers and the ravens where you're like i think there's a different calibration now this team comes out and they look like that bears team against the browns uh i think that there would be cause for concern 100%. I mean that that was that was 
that was the low point, right? Um, yeah. But I the think, lowest, yeah. but I, but I think it's also a great like moment in the Justin Fields timeline because a game like that can break a player. A game like that can literally be the David Carr Houston Texans when he was literally dead man walking every Sunday. That could have been that moment for Justin Fields where he literally questioned himself and said, wow, can I survive in this league? It had nothing to do with him. It was the offensive line was a bunch of Brian Perez's trying to block Miles Garrett. And that's, that's a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it still felt like this is a, this is a, this is a critical like uh, pinpoint in the timeline. And Justin Fields responded. Justin Fields responded in a way, like you said, Adam, that made you feel like, okay, they're not going to win a lot of games, but there's something here to build around. And now, you know, it feels like we got the right general manager. It feels like the coach actually knows how to be a leader and a good decision maker. Um, and we'll see if the pieces fall into place. But, you know, like you said, it does feel like there's something different with the team as we move into 2022. They're going to lose games, but there fe- yeah. it feels like there's actually a strong foundation not like when you go into the other seasons and, you know, a strong win comes, this team's going to collapse. That's not what's going to happen with this team moving forward. I hope. I hope. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's going to be the case either. I think that uh, there's a lot of things to be positive about uh, as we look forward to the upcoming season. Sammy, do we have time for one? Let's do one more question, if we could. Um, Adam, did you see anybody at the Combine that stood out to you uh, like for the Bears? I think Alave, I think the, the, the 40 times – Although it was it was wild that they were like, oh my god, he ran a four two, and then they're like, oh wait, it's adjusted. He ran a five. Like what? How were you so far off? Like how is it? How is this possible? But uh, obviously, uh, the receivers stood out to me. They seemed like one of the best, even though that the unofficial times, the official times, it seemed like the receivers stood out the most to me. And it seems like again, the Bears are going to be able to grab one at thirty nine. Was there anybody in particular though, Brian, that stood out to you? There's two guys, and one – I'm going to give another hat tip to Berlissimo. I saw him make him in the – point him out in the comments. George Pickens from Georgia. Um, this is a guy who, if he didn't tear his ACL at the beginning of his spring workouts coming into the 2021 season, he would be in the mix to be wide receiver one in the draft. For some reason, you know, he's just – you know, we're still talking about Jamison Williams as a first-round pick, but Pickens isn't discussed that way. There's a chance he could be there when the Bears pick at 39. And he ran in the four fours, checked every box physically, tall, yeah. long, a guy that can be on the outside. Like Berlissimo just said, he's an alpha. I completely agree. He's a player that really impressed me because it was going to come down to that 40. How did he look when he ran? 40 is a very overrated measurable for the NFL because if as long as you check the position minimum, scouts when they're there, they're not really looking for a guy to blow the roof off of Indianapolis. They want to make sure these guys check position minimums and that their time on the track matches what they watch on film. So if a guy runs a 4-2-6 but plays like a 4-6-5, he's either a track athlete who doesn't know how to play football or go back to the film. Something's up. that It, does, it just doesn't add up. Pickens running a 4-4-3 or whatever he ended up timing is the 2020, 2019 Pickens. He's back. Yeah. And if that guy can be held at hat at 39, that's a home run. And the other one is the guy I mocked to the Bears on the draft network, which is Christian Watson from North Dakota State. I, again, I was down at the Senior Bowl this year. I had a chance to talk to him. What a good dude. I mean, you could tell he's got his head on his shoulders. 
good character kid, and he was uncoverable in Mobile. He's got some issues with drops, which obviously is never a good thing to have for a wide receiver, but he was not intimidated, smaller school guy, you know, doing really well against the top senior cornerbacks in the country. And then he comes down to Mobile, 6'4", 208, runs a 4'3", 38 and a half inch vertical. And the guy was a stud. So there is some chatter. He could actually sneak into the first round. I would be fine with that if he did, because yeah. he looks like a top 32 player. But more likely, he's a top 50 pick. And if he's there at 39, that will, he would look really good in a Bears uniform. Yeah, very difficult to pass up. And I will say this, too. Uh, you gave me an idea because you and Berlissimo going back and forth. I think we need to get both of you on at some point. Uh, I think that would be a lot of fun. But I do want to I do want to thank you uh, for stopping by tonight. I Again, I, I really wanted to dive into the draft a little bit more. But Aaron Rodgers, as always, ruins things for us <laughs> all the time. Uh, but I do want to thank you for being here. And I hope that we can do it again in the, in the near future. The Draft Network is what you need to check out. Uh, you've got a mock draft up right now. A lot of great information out there. Great follow on Twitter. How can we follow how, for people who aren't already following you? First of all, shame on you. Um, what is the draft? What is your Twitter handle again? At Brian Perez NFL, Brian with a Y. So it's uh, Bears fans. I, I mean, one of the look, being able to get into conversations with Bears fans on Twitter, going back and forth, both healthy debates. You know, there's no such thing as an argument between Bears fans, right? There's only healthy right. debates. And celebrating the good moments and grieving the bad moments together. Uh, Bears Twitter is a great place to be. So at Brian Perez NFL um, is where I'm, I'm and, you know, I'm pretty active over there. So it's a good time. No, I appreciate you. Now, you're one of the best follows uh, of all of Bears Twitter. So I really appreciate that. You doing that. I think you do an excellent job. And of course, with the Draft Network, uh, fantastic work as well. So we appreciate you being here tonight. Hopefully we can do it again sometime in the near future. Uh, thank you for your time. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me, Adam. It was a blast. All right. Thank you. There he goes, Brian Perez. Uh, make sure you do follow him. And again, want to just take a, a moment before we close this up uh, just to say, look, I know, again, four more years of Aaron Rodgers, the owner of the Chicago Bears, but I really don't believe that it, it's as dire as everybody is going to be making it out to be. I think that this Bears team is solid. I think as long as we keep Khalil Mack, Bobby Quinn, Bring these guys back. Perhaps Eddie Jackson can be reborn. I think Jalen Johnson's a nice player defensively. There's enough there to make stops, which is what we need. This is all about making Justin Fields take that next step, surrounding him. And it sounds like the Bears know exactly what they're doing. So I, I even with Aaron Rodgers returning, I am probably the most confident I have been in the Chicago Bears in quite some time. So I think it's all going to be fine. Don't worry about it tonight. Everybody can go out and have an old style uh, enjoy a hot dog without ketchup and uh, everything's going to be good. And with that, Sammy, why don't you play us out? Thanks again. We'll see you on Thursday with Berlissimo. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast with Adam rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google play and Apple podcasts.